Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Culture Vulture was brought to you by our mates at Part-Time Rangers. Because why wouldn't you want to save wildlife while you sip? everyone and welcome to hopefully the last like virtual culture vulture in a while Liv do you reckon? Oh I bloody hope so Liz. No I think so we've not got any crazy plans coming up once you get home from Sydney. I'm in Wanaka for a week at some point. True True, God. There might be another two virtual pods. Oh shit well thank god we've got some good practice up our sleeve. Oh well I probably shouldn't have led with Welcome to the last virtual podcast in a while. Anyway, it doesn't actually matter to the listener, does it? No, it doesn't. And that's what I always think when I listen to podcasts and I know that they're doing it over Zoom or whatever. Like, you can never tell as the listener, which is great. It's just more for the feel, for the vibes, for the podcast. It's more for the vibes. But Mm. we are going to try and keep them immaculate for y'all. We'll try and keep the vibes immaculate. the goal. And they're going to be getting even more immaculate because Liv has been working on something secret squirrel that we get to release this week. Shmivy? I have. Very excited to announce that we are launching a Culture Vulture newsletter that's going to be whoop, 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 whoop. written by me once a week. What, coming into your inbox on a Saturday morning? Yeah, on a Saturday morning. And how do you how do you access the special new newsy? Yes, so you access the new newsy by becoming a Cisco supporter because, as you guys know, we give all of this media to you for free most of the time. And just to say our thanks to those who do donate to us and support us, we just want to give you something a little extra, which will be it will sort of be. A rundown of what Luce and I talk about, but more in depth, more recommendations, more, you know, shit that's going on in the cultural universe. So we're really excited. I can't wait. I have been like needing like to read a newsletter like this. Even better, it's going to be written by you. Um, I can't wait for it every week. So if you're a monthly or an annual supporter, you're going to get your hands on that. And you can come and become one in the show notes. We are going to put the link real easy. You also get access to like our book recommendations list, which is huge. Um, our Cisco playlists. We each have different playlists. So honestly, you're basically going to be a cultural guru. You're going to be in our brains. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, everything I consume is now like, you know, going on the list. And like, usually my playlists are quite like, oh, like, you know, not not personal, but oh, do you know what I mean? It's like a... I literally have one that's like quite horny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just like, shit, like this is out for everyone to see, which is fucking awesome. Um, 
because I rely I on other people to do that for my taste. So it's just all a cycle, isn't it? Isn't it? And do you know what I love is like, especially with our book recommendations list, we even put on the books that we like wouldn't recommend you going mm. to get so you don't like waste your money or, you know, waste your time reading it. I, I feel like that's what I need in my life is someone to be like, this book was really popular, but don't I did not it. rate it. Like, don't, yeah. don't get it. So, And we then also here. interesting conversation starters because if someone fucking loved it and you didn't, you know, like yes. it's so interesting to, to hear differing opinions. So basically, long story, not even short, <laughs> long story long, Liv's launching a newsletter. You should come and become a Cisco supporter so you can get it. And the first one's going to be landing in inboxes on Saturday. So that's very exciting. Very exciting. Loose. what are we talking about today? Liv, I'm glad you asked because I was about to ask you the same thing because I realised <laughs> no. we always get into like the preamble. We always get too far in and then we have to backtrack. <laughs> anyway, that's exactly what I just did. <laughs> but we're talking about Elvis today, Liv. We have... Uh, Quite a few things to say about Elvis, the movie, the person, the myth, the legend or the non-legend, who knows? We do. We have kind of a lot to dive into, some pretty meaty subject matter, so stay tuned for that. Very exciting. First though, what described your week? Okay, what described my week was (laughs) rejection. (laughs) From, oh, from, so... This week's actually music has also described my week this week. I've been heavily into like trying to get my shit together. I used to gig when I lived in Wellington and I've really procrastinated trying to do it up here because it just seems scarier and like I don't know the bars. Yeah, it's a more yeah. spread out like scene. Yeah, literally like in Wellington there's like a few places that you're like, okay, cool. Like I know this place, it's, it's a good vibe, like this should be sweet and then you kind of go from there. But here I'm... I'm singing by myself and performing by myself. So I've just like been walking into bars and just like going up to the wait staff and being like, hey, like, do you want a musician sort of thing? Do you yeah. want me? Um, and been having a lot of people just be like, no, we don't do that. And it's not personal because I haven't even heard my music. So that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But I'm just going to keep pushing on. So perseverance. I think they can tell, Liv, by looking at you that you're real bad. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> they just see me and they're like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> like, they haven't even heard my music. They're just saying no. Like I had one girl say to me, I go in and I was like, hey, like, do you do live music? She's like, yeah, yeah, like we do it on Wednesdays and Thursdays or something. I was like, um, oh, cool. Like, I'm a musician. I'm looking for places to play. And then she just looks at me and she goes, mm, we've already got our roster. Oh, Okay, so like, so okay. rejection. But Liv, yeah. Liv, <laughs> yeah. do you know who else is sort of feeling rejected at the moment? Who? A bunch of the Love Island girls. Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. Oh my God, there's so much to unpack with that. I know. So much. So that's actually a really good what describes your week because it's pop cultural and cultural because of yeah. your music. And then also very true Love Island, which... You're going to have a debrief in your ears before this even comes out. Go back and listen to the debrief because it's already come out and it's really good from what I'm assuming. <laughs> it's going to be good. Yeah, I think it will be good. I think this is probably the week that everyone waits for, I would say, in terms of debriefing because customer remorse just happened. The fallouts just happened. There's a whole lot to unpack. I'm so excited for that. But Luce, what describes your week? Okay, so I've got a really shit one. Me and Love were just saying that we're like, grasping these days to to describe our weeks which 
isn't even because we live boring lives or anything. It's just because we're not thinking about it. And then on the day, <laughs> just, it's like, fuck. Just to let you know, we don't live boring lives. We don't live Just to let you know, we are seriously, seriously interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, exciting. A lot's happening. So much going don't on. Don't know what to say. So much going on here. <laughs> um, no, but what describes my week is basically... Rubes and I are over in Sydney and we've had a lot of like really wonderful catch-ups with people. But love, you know when you're having your first ever catch-up with someone and first of all, mm. like this, I'm talking like in a business sense, like they don't know what we look like. Mm. They don't really know what to expect. So you're going in really cold, like as in like no yes. one knows anything really about each other. And then it's always so fun like we always have such a good time once you're warmed up and you're through all the preamble and shit like that and it's always vibey as oh it is though it's getting through the first 15 minutes and sat there and being like so you know who who does what in the business like what do you do like all of this shit and like you've had a few emails yes like you have nothing in common really you're just here to like meet and like also I usually have to email people or text them or whatever before I meet them be like look I'm wearing bright colors and I've got pink hair just in case you like don't know who to look for because they don't know what we look like um so anyway we're doing a bunch of that this week and um we met this uh wonderful guy from Sony Music over in Australia he was actually helping us organize the listening party um, for Harry Styles, which we ended up getting COVID, so we couldn't come over for, but that was fine. Um, and his name's Ollie, and it was really funny because we sat down, and he was like, "Okay, so what? One of you got in the car and started driving somewhere, and ended up like six hours away." <laughs> You're like, neither of us think fuck because that's humiliating. And like, he said. <laughs> Like he was honestly, he, he went for a walk and was listening to Culture Vulture, like in lockdown or something. And he said he was just pissing. And me and Ruby were thinking this has gone around the world. And he even knew, Liv, that like your mum was the gossip that let it out. My mum is a gossip. Oh, honestly, this mic is dangerous. I was actually talking to a friend. I was FaceTiming her, and then she said something like, "Oh, I heard on the podcast that you did this, <gasps> this, and this." And, like, I was like, Jesus Christ, I just kind of let my mouth run. Because in here, it just feels like Luce and I are having a a personal conversation. Like, we're just catching up. We're chatting. I totally forget that it is going out to so many listeners. And, like, when I say shit, like, my mum's a gossip. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, when we call... Flow uptight, and then she's like, yeah. I heard you calling and then me up. She hears that through the podcast. Oh. oh, God, take this mic away. Too much responsibility. No, but the thing is, it's like, imagine if we came on here and weren't authentic. Like, imagine if we came on here and totally yeah, like true. sanitized ourselves. People would just tune out, they'd be able to smell it. Yeah, it's like, what's the fucking point? Yeah. Um, but speaking of getting on the mic and sort of running your mouth, uh, my naughty mm-hmm. or nice this week is quite a hilarious story. So, Liv, it's Doja Cat um, and her beef with mm-hmm. Noah Schnapp. Now, do you know who Noah Schnapp is? No, I have absolutely okay. no clue. So pretty much everyone else in the world will because he is Will Byers from Stranger Things. So really famous. Uh. He's a young 17-year-old actor. He's really cute, like really kind, real good friends with Millie Bobby Brown. Like, is he the one that he's like got dark hair and he's sort of like... No, that's Mike. That's Finn Wolfhard. Oh, yeah. But... Okay, okay, okay. But anyway, he is a... 
good little actor, 17, so quite young. Really, like, very online, you know, in that mm-hmm. in that realm. Um, always is doing lives, always is on TikTok. Like, he's quite funny as well, a bit of a shit poster, but just real quite cute. So anyway, Doja Cat is a lot older than him and um, is sort of picking a fight with him, which is unique. So Doja right. Cat has been really, like, vocally thirsting over one of their co-stars on Stranger Things called Joseph Quinn, who plays a guy called Eddie. And so, uh-huh. like, back in May, she tweeted, um, what did she say? She tweeted, Joseph Quinn, fine as shit. Like, she's tweeting this to the universe, right? And then she also, like, replied to some fans saying, yeah, like, Joseph Quinn is, like, criminally good looking. Like, she's stan behavior, right? She's into it. Do you think that that's her being, like, shooting her shot? Oh, well, 100%, because, so, she took things a little bit further last week, and she DM'd Noah, Mm -hmm. who is the young guy, um, and she said, Noah, can you tell Joseph to hit me up? Wait, no. Does he have a girlfriend? And then Noah just replied back, Lameo, slide into his DMs. Mm. Um, And then Doja said, IDK, his Instagram or Twitter, he doesn't have a DM to slide in. And Noah just sent a link to Joseph's Instagram and said, right here, ma'am. Like, really unassuming, like, from Noah. Like, they're fine. Those DMs are fine. And, like, she had already been publicly, publicly, like, thirsting over him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... Like, so Noah then put that into a TikTok and it was like a funny, like, because Doja does all this weird stuff on TikTok all the time. Like, she's whack on TikTok. Like, she's she's a very very online person. Incredibly. But then she, like, flipped and she was, she went on live and was like, okay, to be fair, this is like a kid. Noah is like, I don't know how old he is, but he's not even over, there's no way he's like over 21. When you're that young, you make mistakes. You do dumb shit. I'm like trying to be super fair. You say dumb shit, you fuck up relationships with people. You make mistakes. You're supposed to do stuff like that so you know not to do it in the future. I did my share of fuck ups so that I don't fuck up again. The fact that Noah did that, like, when and posted a private conversation between me and him is so unbelievably socially unaware and whack. That's like borderline snake shit. That's like weasel shit. And I'm not saying this encapsulates his entire personality. Maybe he is like a whole snake, but I didn't see him that way. I made an assumption that he was going to be chill about it and he went and shared information that I didn't feel comfortable with him sharing. Like, sorry, you've been tweeting about this for so long. This boy is 17. He's... His co-star. Like, why did you go to Noah? You could have just gone to the co-star. Literally, like, why did you do that if you sort of didn't want it to come out? No, and and just because, like, her behavior on TikTok is always so sort of just erratic. Like very erratic. Yeah, and and she, like, this is in line with some of her other, you know, when she said she was going to quit music because she was pissed off at her fans. Mm. And, like, even her Twitter name now is... I'm better than you. And then her bio mm. is, if you use stand speak, you're a fucking loser. Get your fucking life together. How embarrassing. And oh, I jeepers. think like poor Noah, like that would be sort of terrifying being like, oh. she went on live for like five minutes just to talk about him. So I'm guessing he took the conversation, screenshotted yeah. it and put it on TikTok. What did he do like, Put it on TikTok. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and it's like, okay, yeah, maybe not like your finest yes. hour. Like, you know, if yeah. you were to be super classy about everything. But it's like, she's so public. Yes. And the, the whole vibe, like, of the internet is just like, Doja, 
why did you like you've been really public about loving this guy why have you now flipped on a like 17 year old kid for something do that you think you... she got rejected yeah it's like or I heard some people saying like she's potentially dating someone else and didn't want this to get uh, out but it's also like well in that case you make your bed you sort of lie have to lie on it yeah fuck yeah um, like if you're if you're the one being snaky then yeah and so I just think like she just the internet was sort of like leave this kid alone like you do stuff like this on TikTok all the time it's a oh very like low stakes naughty or nice but totally um, sort of super naughty. impulsive behavior yeah naughty i mean tea tea um but maybe again yeah. naughty but i'm not that much that invested yeah maybe it was a publicity stunt for something True. maybe noah and doja have something coming out together i don't know fuck imagine oh my god honestly you just don't know these days do you you just can't okay, yeah. know. you just don't know anyway love definitely yeah on the naughty side of things definitely anyway naughty yes we might uh get into a bit of a naughty potentially Alvis chat after we hear from our sponsors this hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are incredibly excited to be working with our mates at Part-Time Rangers once again. Fun fact for you all, Part-Time Rangers were actually our first ever podcast sponsor over on The Shit Show. That was before we were even a proper business. So naturally, we love them. Yes, Luce, we also love that with every sip you take of one of their RTDs, like the pink rhino or the yellow elephant, you're actually saving wildlife. A portion of the proceeds from every can supports wildlife conservation across the globe, which is fucking amazing. So that's from the big tusk elephants and rhinos in Africa to koalas in Australia and kiwi in New Zealand. There's just so much to love about part-time rangers. And honestly, what better way to chill out than by listening to an episode of your favourite pop culture podcast while sipping on a cheeky part-time rangers bevy? I mean, cheers to that, Liv. And to our besties who are over 18, please go and grab yourself some part-time rangers and save the wildlife while you sip. All right, Luz, time for a bit of an Elvis chat because you have seen the movie relatively recently. Super recently, creatively obsessed with the movie. Austin Butler, I think, was fucking incredible and I can overlook the fact that he's kept the Elvis accent. But yeah, upon a little bit of context, context searching, and, you know, we love talking about context, it's sort of not all sunshines and rainbows, is it? No, well, that's what I very much discovered this week. I mean, I was the same as you. I went and saw it. I went with my parents who are both big Elvis fans. Like, Elvis was played quite a lot in my household growing up. So we were all super excited, like, had that sort of history with him as an artist, I guess, Um, and came out just being like, yeah, like, amazing. Um, Exactly kind of what you expect from a Baz Luhrmann movie in terms of like he's very maximalist um Mm -hmm. it was glitzy it was glamorous it was everything that like Elvis represented back in the day but I think I mean it's totally on me but I just didn't think as deeply as I should have about it I did 
leave the movie theater thinking like, I was really entertained. Um, the whole conversation between commerce and art and capitalism mm. was, I think, well fleshed out. And then I did leave sort of thinking like, just weird about like I didn't know what to think about the kind of race relation element of the story because the movie just didn't leave room to dive into it. Mm. Do you feel mm. that? I do feel that and I, I always find it really hard with biopics because obviously you're trying to get someone's life into like, I mean you can't make a 24-hour long movie no. but I just – I, I agree. I think because we have seen so much of Elvis's glitz and glamour in the past, there probably was room to actually focus on, like like you said, what he maybe took or borrowed rather or stole, I don't know, from black yeah. music back then or the Priscilla conversation as well. Yeah, the Priscilla conversation was definitely glazed over. I think that was my first, just because I knew a little bit about Priscilla and Elvis, I went to Graceland a couple of years ago and they kind of go into it a little more. The fact that she was 14, he was 24 when they met, that whole sort of like predatorial relationship you yeah. could have explored, but they very much glazed over it. In the movie, they didn't even talk about how actually young she was and it was still made as like a romance thing and like their whole kiss in that house. And that to me, I was like, okay, weird. They're obviously sliding past some of these mm -hmm bigger issues when it comes to it's not even Elvis as a person necessarily I mean that more was but it's it's the time that he was super successful and what made mm. him super successful and after doing you know some some reading and a bit of deeper diving into Elvis and the movie I read a whole lot of reviews that were pretty scathing about the movie but for for very good reason and I think when I came out of that movie theater, I went in and I saw it as a white person who had a like a white musical influence growing up. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was like mm -hmm. I, because of that privilege, I didn't have to look further or like there was nothing that I knew about because of my white privilege to look further into, if that makes sense. And even that we grew up with Elvis as the, as the like historical musician. Like that King of Rock and to. Roll. And he's a white dude. But then like, I didn't know much about Elvis at all. And then I went in here and I, and I was like, okay. So I didn't realize most of your songs were covers, first of all, yeah. from like black artists. And then obviously in the film, and maybe in real life as well. Like, it's kind of irrelevant. Like, yes, he was good friends with these people in this community, and he probably respected the shit out of that community, but it's like, that's sort of fine back then, but if we're looking at it now, Baz exactly, Luhrmann could have commented or done something to comment yeah, on. Yeah, it wasn't the 2022 biopic that audiences would have like wanted and received much better than I think Baz Luhrmann would have guessed in a way mm. is this whole conversation about I think directors or filmmakers or whoever it is giving the audience what they think they want more in terms of like maybe a, a more truthful or um, deep representation of their lives as artists yes. because what we're sort of talking about here is the fact that 
Elvis became famous, I think it was like the 1950s, one of the main factors that he became huge was because he was a white person singing black people's music or he was a white person with a really um, a really strong black influence when mm-hmm. it came to the music he was singing. So the thing is with Elvis is that he was born and raised in a black community and so you can see why he developed the music style that he did it wasn't like he was going and poaching from a community that he wasn't obviously he wasn't really part of it but he was living amongst it and that I think is important when we talk about it and basically his family was like super super poor and it was in time of major racial segregation which is really awful and so he was living in a black neighborhood because basically couldn't afford to live in a white one which is like the backdrop of the time and of the music Mm. and they did touch on in the film um like there was comments when he was talking to his black musician friends and he was singing the music and he was like, oh, other people, like people would love this sound, people would love you, you should be famous or whatever. And they would say to him, like, if you sung it, like yes, you'd be, you'd you'd be, be famous. famous. And that was like, the they, whole... did, they did like really surface level put, put yes. the, like, it's almost like, yeah, we better write this line in here to show that we get it. Like we get it. Um, but they didn't, explore it enough. 100%. That's the whole thing. There was this article in the Washington Post, which I think was more of, well, it seemed to be like a publicity piece for the movie. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it was very positive about everything. And there's a quote here that kind of goes into, you know, the black artists that they did um, weave within the storyline of the movie. Um, And it paints it in a very positive light, which we will later find out that not many people agree with. So... Elvis in theatres Friday makes a concerted effort to highlight several of the black artists who inspired him, including Crudup, Big Mama Thornton, Sister Rosetta Tharp, and Little Richard. Um, struggling under the weight of his growing success, Elvis flees to the comforts of Memphis's Beale Street, where he hits the club with BB King. So that's kind of what they have to say. They're like, it's almost like a pat on the back. Like, well done. Yeah. You even mentioned these characters, right? And I also, just as a little bit more context, I did read that, like, these people that Elvis took inspiration from, like, a lot of them actually did, like, respect Elvis. Yes. And they liked, they were fans and they liked what he was doing. It's not like Elvis himself went in there to shit on all this music. He loved it. For sure. And this is the whole conversation around, I guess, Elvis as what he symbolizes and what he represented rather than who he actually was as a person, which is what a lot of the reviews talk about is the fact that most of the media and most of the important stuff with Elvis isn't actually to do with Elvis himself. So it's not like we're using him as a scapegoat for being like, this is your fault that that you um, obviously really benefited off of your white Mm. privilege, which he did, which you can't ignore when talking about Elvis. But at the same time, it's not like he's the evil villain in the story. Um, This Washington Post piece also goes on to say, which I think is kind of, I don't know whether Baz Luhrmann was trying to do this, but it kind of talks about how 
we are focused on this common enemy, which is the music industry, which is represented by the colonel, mm. Tom Parker. And he's very much, very obviously the villain of the movie. And maybe he wanted, maybe Lerman wanted him to kind of like represent the overall inequality that was going on in the intersection between race and you know, capitalism and capitalizing off of artists and taking, wringing them out for everything that they're worth, which is very much what he did to Alvis. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, is that sort of, is it too much weight put on him, you know, as the villain? And is that an attempt to take away from the this really, really complex history that was the basis for Alvis's success? Mm. And I think that's almost kind to Baz Luhrmann to mm. say, like, maybe you were using the colonel to represent this when it's like, you could have actually quite blatantly shown it without having to symbolize it in the colonel. Like, you could have, that's almost nice to say, maybe Baz Luhrmann was trying to yeah, Yeah, but for I, sure, yeah. because I think, I mean, we know, and Luce, as as we are people that try to unpack shit like this, it's like, things aren't... Um, black and white for lack of a better term but we are obsessed with making things right and wrong and I think with this film people don't know how to talk about it because it doesn't really fit into right and wrong and Alvis's story doesn't fit into right or wrong like Mm. he wasn't necessarily a bad person Baz Luhrmann used the colonel to very much Give the audience what they wanted in terms of a villain, something super wrong in this. Um, And I think, like, although he did interweave, you know, all of these black contemporaries of Elvis or the people that came before him to give him the music that we all know today, um, the critique is mainly that they've kind of been used as like a transportation device in the narrative. So mm. to take him from here he was on Beale Street, like going into the clubs, like listening to gospel music, and that's how he became rich and famous sort of thing, rather than actually giving these characters a bit more depth, a bit more sort of autonomy over their own storylines. And it could have been a really, really good opportunity to open up you know, that side of things. And it was very Mm. much just brushed over. And I think, like, again, as we said earlier, we're aware that with biopics, they can only be a certain amount of time. But I think we've heard the hero story of the king of rock and roll enough times times that, like, at this point, we really could hear either the real story or a different part of it mm-hmm. and just one one other little bit of context to think about as we're speaking about this is obviously we're talking about how Baz Luhrmann directed it and he is you know a white Australian guy and I looked up the writers of Elvis as well because our critique is always live um like creatively Baz Luhrmann I think could have made like he made this a masterpiece creatively story-wise he should have had black people in the room writing it with him absolutely writing it for him and it's even like Um, us us sitting here and we are two white people trying to talk about this topic as well I mean like it's definitely not lost on us that we're we don't hold all the perspective yeah and a whole lot of the reviews written were also by white people it was quite hard to find um Mm. you know black writers um being kind of highlighted in this conversation 
And, yeah, so it's, like, obviously complicated. Well, um, yeah, and the three other writers on it, so Baz Luhrmann directed it, and the three other writers were Sam Brommel, Jeremy Dona, and Craig Pierce, all other three white males. And, like, honestly, you – like, just because you're a white male doesn't mean you can't tell a good story and you're allowed to do honestly whatever you want. This isn't like an attack or anything like that. It is just that, you know, the gaps in the story were Priscilla's story, which would have been mm. better told if a woman had been in the writing room. And then the gaps were also in, as you're saying, like the real race relations that maybe did go on here and that would have been fleshed out if it wasn't all three sort of white people helping write the story. So I, and because I looked, because I wanted to be able to say, like, well, you know, maybe yeah. Baz Luhrmann did get people in to help tell a more fully fleshed out story. And, I mean, there's more people than just the writers and the director, right? But Absolutely. Um, that's, that was just interesting. But they're um, the people with the palette in Yeah, they were the pen. They're mm-hmm. with the pen, exactly. There was a good review in Slate, um, and I thought this was quite an interesting Exit. So it says, For all the feedback-drenched electric guitars and trap-inspired 808s on the film's soundtrack, the most anachronistic, which we've just been told by a lovely producer, is when something is kind of like imported from a different time period. So I'm guessing like, you know, how Doja Cat is on it singing Hound Dog. Like, Mm -hmm. of course, that wasn't from the 50s. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're saying the most anachronistic element of Elvis is it's coying need to assure us that its hero was a good person as if trying to preemptively counter some imagined onslaught of TikToks about why Elvis Presley is problematic. The movie goes to pains to depict Elvis as a man of liberal conscience who is deeply moved by the various political and social crises facing the United States in his lifetime, but whose activist inclinations are repeatedly thwarted by Parker. So I thought that that was really, really good commentary because... And that's what we're meaning is, like, he thinks he's writing it for 2022, but it's more like missing the point of 2022 completely and what people want and what young people want to see and and hold, you know, makers accountable is that we don't want you to just sidestep these issues so Mm. that you don't face the public onslaught. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like we're we're past that. And we're also smarter than that. Like you Mm. trying to avoid these TikToks that you're scared of being made about you or about Elvis or whatever is what's going to make people comment exactly like we're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. There was a really good review that I sent you, Luce. Um, mm, and um, and this was one of the only reviews that I could find written by a black person, written by a guy called Robert Daniels. Um, and he says, all too often the, the film slips into a great white hope syndrome whereby Presley is the sincere white hero unearthing the exotic and sensual black artists of his era. B.B. King, Big Mama Thornton and Little Richards exist solely as either bulletin board cheerleaders or alluring beings from a far off land. While these black artists are championed and awareness by Lerman of their importance and long winding history of black art moving through white spaces, they barely speak or retain any depth even while a paternalistic Presley advances their cause. So I think that sums it up pretty well. Mm. And I think, Liv, also this line from the execs, from the same writer, what good is making a sanitized Elvis biopic 
biopic in 2022. And truly, who really needs a further fortification of Presley's cultural importance when it's been the dominant strain for over 60 years? It's another noxious draft in history clumsily written by white hands. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, we've heard this Elvis story for 60 years. We know he's a great singer. We actually know that he did do some good for the black community. And he didn't, like, he was as much a part of it as he probably could have been back when he was on his come up. But that's like, it's time to tell like some new and possibly truer stories. Yeah. And just some more like air the complexities. Like we're ready for it. We're ready to dive into these discussions Mm. and like we need to be because this is the only way that our society is going to progress. If we keep sort of, flattening everything that happened in history and being like oh that was in the past we love him because of the nostalgia around you know everything that Mm. Elvis represented to us white people like we we're not gonna get anywhere and Yeah. yeah they are tricky conversations to have and often like you don't know how to talk about them and all you can do is read you know other people's perspectives and make sure that you're you're trying to get yes. somewhat of a rounded view. There was also a article in Vulture where they interviewed Yola, who was the girl who played Sister Rosetta Tharp within the movie, and she's actually an artist in her own right. Um, she's never acted before. She's she's a singer from Bristol. Mm. She said that stepping into his world. Um, the way that Parker saw it and the way that Lumen interpreted it challenged her to consider less sinister reasons for Elvis's mimicry. Um, You're going to experience black shit if you're around black people, she says. And America is enamored by black stuff. Surprise, surprise. So, of course, Elvis is going to be like, I need more of this shit. So she goes to say she doesn't blame him alone for burying mm. Rock's roots. The easy narrative is that he's the appropriator. And then she goes to say, no, the system's the freaking appropriator, which is like definitely great to see that they've interviewed her and gotten her opinion. Because I agree with that. It's like what you said about it's, it actually wasn't Elvis. It was what mm. Elvis symbolized. Like Totally, totally. He was one person that maybe did some things in a respectful way, but what he symbolizes is the way that we are still taking from black culture and not giving it credit and not even recognizing it. And that's what's fucked. Yeah, absolutely. And there was sort of no reflective moment in the film was there that this is still happening. No. And it's like, I just think we, I'm sick and tired of us protecting legacies over like truth. Like, Yes. yes, we know Elvis, like, we don't need to be protecting his legacy for his career anymore or whatever we protect legacies for. Like, we can yeah. just talk about the truth if we want. Yeah, exactly. Like, we can still enjoy things with them having a complicated yeah. history. Like, you know, obviously this conversation is always comes back to the art and the artist or whatever, which isn't yes. really, which isn't really what we're talking about when we are talking about Alvis, but it's like, you know, there's obviously a line. If someone does something illegal yeah. if someone's part of some the classic cancel thing. culture caveats yeah all, you know yeah but like we we are multifaceted people and other people are too like even the people that we're quote-unquote canceling so if like two things can be true at once you can totally love someone's music and also be like yeah but damn this is how they got from a to b yeah for like, sure and then respect that and learn about mm. it and then maybe you could put your effort into learning about you know 
um, all of these musicians like Little Richard and and Sister Rosetta Tharp and all of those people that have kind of been ridden out of history. Um, yeah. It's just which I guess is what Elvis has kind of done for me. Yeah, I didn't because, know any of this. Yeah, we have taken the time to then go and research this, but I guess it's that opportunity for filmmakers to make it more blatant and to be oh, like, yeah. you need to look at this or even just yeah. like making a biopic of one of those people instead you know yeah um yeah yeah anyway it's I think just like looking at these things with curiosity is more helpful than yes. super like judgmental conversations because yeah. again that because doesn't really just, get us anywhere yeah totally well I've re- I really have liked researching this and like talking mm. having you teach me about things like this and I think this will be a useful episode for a lot of people that maybe have watched Elvis and either not known how to feel about it or maybe just watched it for the glitz and the glam and yeah. then wanted a bit more of an insight. For sure, for sure. Anyway, well, and if you do want more, there's going to be more about all of this in the culture, the first Culture Vulture newsletter, which lands in inboxes on There Saturday. will, yeah. You'll get like a proper written down, you know, article in – in my writing so yeah <laughs> how exciting so love that's definitely on my radar the culture vulture newsletter also on my radar is where the crawdads sing oh yes i've been can't seeing wait. trailers come up all the fucking time it's all over my tiktok can't fucking wait what's on your radar da? um love life have you seen oh, this i it's, have not it's on netflix and it's just really easy watching. My flatmate Abby was watching it and I watched an episode with her and I was so like, fuck, I'm, I'm going to have to sit down and oh. start from the start. Anna Kendrick is the main character. Um, I feel like it, I have – is this quite old? No, I think it's oh. relatively okay. recent, but I'm not oh. sure. Um, it basically goes through, like, her whole love life as a mm. person. Like, each episode is a different relationship or um, a different fling or, like, whatever – and real easy watch. It was my sung over, my sung over, my hungover Sunday watch. Yeah, I just yeah binged it. Love it. Um, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, and that's okay. Great. That's what I've got for you. Well, should, Liv, should we should we go and record a we cuss it a more debrief? Oh, I think so. Oh my gosh, we haven't even talked about it you and I properly, so I'm excited. Same, I'm so excited, and go and listen to that because it will already be in your culture vulture feeds. You just need to go back one episode. As always, we need to say a huge thank you to Part Time Rangers for making this episode of Culture Vulture possible. We also need to say thank you to Ti Have Butler who produces this and also tells us the definitions of words that we don't know <laughs> and live naturally big thank you to you oh naturally likewise Del. catch you all uh, on the flip <laughs> oh god okay see you then bye <laughs> planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.